Hey, Georgia educators, we have new discussion guides available to use with Classroom Conversations episodes. These discussion guides include open-ended questions to facilitate great discussion and professional learning after listening to each podcast. Find the new discussion guides posted with the Classroom Conversations episodes and blogs in Georgia Home Classroom. Hi, teachers. I hope our podcast open has you humming and tapping contentedly. This is Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers, a place where educators can share and learn. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, your host. I just love our intro song, the Classroom Conversations jingle, a stirring and evocative sound. It moves me today more than before, probably because our topic today reverberates in my mind. It's music in our schools. Now this will be music to your ears. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Our harmonious installment and others before it are thoughtfully composed and conducted by the great minds at Georgia Department of Education in partnership with the media production prowess of Georgia Public Broadcasting. We'll hit our rhythm momentarily, but typical soprano, I like to kick things off on a high note. Let's meet our guests. The brilliant minds at Georgia DOE had no trouble assembling two voice parts for today's conversation. To my left on the lower range, elementary to be exact, Melissa Delman, innovative music teacher at Lake Forest Elementary School in Fulton County. And to my right on the higher range, a high school teacher, my first right-hand man from season three, actually, you've heard him here before, it's Michael Cabido, Georgia's 2023 Teacher of the Year. Michael is the director of bands and AP music theory teacher at Woodland High School in Bartow County. Welcome, Melissa and Michael, m M&M. and That's right. It's good to be here. <laughs> the new m M&M. How Thanks are you guys today? Doing well. Thank Living you. Living the dream. Living the dream. Good to be back, Michael. <laughs> oh, so great to be back. Good to be here for your first time, Melissa. Absolutely. Do you have any reservations about being here today? No, none at all. Okay. Excited. I'm not going to ask you to sing or play oh, well, an instrument. I appreciate that. I left mine in the car, so. <laughs> you brought it and you didn't bring it in? Always prepared. <laughs> That's honestly hurtful. Sorry. Michael, expect more from you. Uh, we can do that another time. Bring you back for round three. I want to start with what led you guys to teaching music. Sweet Melissa, will you go first? Sure. Um, I was 11 and I got introduced to the band U2 for the first time. Oh, yes. Yes. And I just was inspired to pick up some instruments and play a lot and take lessons and piano, guitar, joined middle school orchestra and just kept kept it going. And I just always thought that's what I would do is something with music. And then my mother is also a teacher. Uh, so I was, you know, so I had that influence from her um, to, to p- try music teaching. So. Try it out. Yeah. At age 11, what age was 11, the U2 song? Please tell Where us. Where the Streets Have No Name. Where the Streets Have No Name. Yes. Oh, I'm going to listen to that. I just got to meet home. Bono one day. I, you and will, then and you everything will. will be complete. And you will. I have a great <laughs> U2 story. I went to one of their concerts when I was maybe 19 or 20. And uh, The Edge, mm-hmm. uh, somebody in the audience had a sign up that said, Edge, let me play. I play. And so he said, come up here. And he had this man come on stage. He gave him his guitar and he played the whole song. Uh, it was amazing. It was just, I, I got chills. <laughs> what led you to teach music, Michael? 
Yeah, and you might have heard some of this in the previous episode if you had a chance to catch that one. But the big thing that really got me into teaching music was, one, I had really great music teachers that really believed in me and inspired me. But music class was the first place in my life up to the point when I was in middle school where I realized that being the best was not the goal. Mm. If everyone in my class is not as good as I am, I'm not going to have as much fun. So I learned very early on in music classes is the first place that taught me this, that when everyone is doing their best and achieving at a high level, the experience is a lot of fun. So getting into teaching music, I wanted to share that wealth of experience with with the world, because that is that's what the world needs. Yes, it is what the world needs, and it's what this podcast needs, too, so thank you. Share something intriguing about yourselves, you guys, musically or otherwise. Melissa? Well, um, I enjoy playing a lot of world drums, and I got inspired uh, after attending a music teacher workshop, and it just kind of spoke to me. So I've gone all over the country and studied with different people and brought it back to my students. And now at my elementary school, uh, my students are in a steel drum band and Ah. we have a world percussion ensemble. So it's just, you know, you never know what will inspire you when you try new things, you know, because I was a piano major in college and now never thought I would turn into a drummer. Percussionist. (laughs) What is world drums for anything like um, uh, I specialize more in a Middle Eastern frame drum. And then I've taken a lot of uh, classes on African drumming. Wow. And Latin drumming. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So Michael, just a something, variety. something intriguing about you. Mine's not nearly as cool. Um, <laughs> I was born in Okinawa, Japan. I started school in England in the British school system, moved to the United States in the early 2000s. One interesting, I guess, related to drumming, my dad was a big time drummer back in the day. He took lessons from the old drummer of Blue Oyster Cult when he was a kid because oh, they lived oh, in the same cool. town somehow. Uh, and then he would he did some drumming for um, Lone Star a little bit on the side oh, wow. and some some smaller bands, The River, uh, just around town, random gigs. So my dad was a drum set player, and I remember picking up the trumpet and learning how to read music. I was like, I can finally do something in music that you can't do. <laughs> but, and he was a pretty good uh, drum set player. Got him. My awesome. dad, ironically, was also a drummer. What? He was. And uh, when my mom was a nurse and she would go on a nursing trip at the end of every year when she was gone. My dad was in charge of me and my brother, and he would move out all the furniture in the living room and move in his drum set amplifiers and so on and so forth. And I'm sure the police got called every day that week, but we had a great time. It was like going to a live rock concert. Are you kidding me? What song are you currently listening to on repeat, Michael? Uh, my, my wife hates this because she's ready to hear a new album, but Jacob Collier <laughs> released this album called Piano Ballads, where he did this worldwide tour, and everywhere he went, he would sit down at the piano and just start to play and improvise um, a popular tune. His song's like 10 minutes long. He has the choir. The audience become the choir, and they sing. It's a whole improv session. So I've been listening to Jacob Collier's Piano Ballads on loop for about a month. Oh, wow. That's great. A month. I usually do a song for a week and beat it to death and then move on to another one. That's why my wife is sick of it. Yeah. (laughs) A month. Move on, Michael. (laughs) Melissa, what are you currently listening to on repeat? you know, you got to pump yourself up sometimes at the beginning of the year. So (laughs) I've been listening to a lot of Lizzo lately. Yes. And And talk about a musician. Right. right? She I is know. Real. I know. Gosh. Incredible. That is just fantastic. I'll yeah. save mine for it's it's coming later. It's relevant to a later question. Is there any musical influence our listeners might be surprised to find in your teaching repertoire? Uh, I, I listen to a lot of 
or I, I really look up to Leonard Bernstein. He's kind of the American music educator, conductor, performer, composer, everything. Um, Winton Marsalis, my cat is named after him. Great <gasps> trumpet Winter. player. He's very cute. Um, my cat, not Winton Marsalis. Or both. Maybe, depends. <laughs> um, and then Jacob Collier, who's people, people are calling him the modern day Mozart. Just an unbelievable, virtuoso, brilliant mind. Um, those are the three is influences. Is this the young man you were mentioning? Yes. Oh. He's, he's probably my age. Uh, he's, he only has a few Grammy awards so Just far. Just a few. Um, unbelievable, virtuoso, brilliant mind. Worth checking out. So if you like music or if you're a nerd about music, either way. Jacob Collier. Jacob Collier. Check him out. Okay. That's awesome. Melissa? Uh, Frank Zappa for me. Um his, all of his music is just so different and creative and you know it's a it's a special taste I yeah, would say you I know, would some say people so. might kind of be like you know is that really you know good <laughs> but I think it's like it's it's so interesting there's so many different strange parts to it that it kind of helps me keep an open mind about what music could be right it you requires know, some just, active listening. Yes, yes. exactly. So that kind of, that has always inspired me. Fully engages you. Yeah. If you two separately were to start a band or a choir or something, what would your band name be? Who wants to take this one first? Well, the Frozen Grapes. Wait <laughs> a minute. What? Wait, why? Well, that was. My when I was in middle school, I attempted to get a band together. <laughs> it was a real band name, <laughs> and that's what I tried to get everybody to get on board with was the Frozen Grapes. I don't know. I think it was something I picked up from something with you two, and I just kind of went with it. <laughs> I want to see that cover art. <laughs> right, that's really good. Awesome. That that is that is a nutritious band name see? as well. Excellent. What was yours, Michael? I just tried to make um, play on words, kind of like. Th- um, the intro, so Cabido's my last name, so the Cabidals, maybe? Oh. Or the Cabeastie Boys? <laughs> oh, that's a good I one. Like Kobe one. Teeth? <laughs> Childish Cobito? Oh. Okay, I'll, I'll Never. Stop. You know, stop. all of those are pretty good. I those apologize. are good. Where, where are the Beastie Boys right, right? now? Like, They're probably <laughs> eating cereal on someone's couch right now. That would be my guess. Who's to say? Just, I think you guys answered that question perfectly. Here are some, here are some real indie band names for you to mull over. There's uh, real bands, okay? Bowling for Soup. They're a pop punk band in Texas. You ever heard of them? Mm-hmm. Let's Eat Grandma. No, don't eat grandma. They're alt pop, Norwich. Toad the Wet Sprocket. <laughs> Remember Toad the Wet mm-hmm. Sprocket? That's what I've been listening to. That, their 90s delight on repeat. All I Want. Yep. Play that one on the way home. Toad the Wet Sprocket, All I Want. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, well, this was fun. But now help us understand the role of music in our schools. And let's please talk about music in your classroom. Okay, shall we? What do you feel engages your students most in your music classroom? Melissa? I would say just having that community in in the classroom. Just having that opportunity to be yourself and to create and not have any fear of judgment and just making music together that safe space. That's empowering. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Michael? I what engages them? With that community comes the ability to be communicative. Communication is huge for me in my classroom. Um, I had a band director friend come by and observe me teach uh, last semester and he was 
surprised by how much we talked during the rehearsal. And it's not like talking about what you're having for lunch or what you're doing this weekend. It's talking about how oh, this phrase should be shaped this way. Or I think the notes need to be shorter in length or more detached. My kids have, kids have the ability to talk about things. And what's more engaging than being invested in the process? Exactly. So that communication piece, which is hard to figure out how do I implement that and make my kids feel safe enough and respectful enough to mm-hmm. participate fully. But once you get there, there's there's not a kid in that room that's disengaged. Of course. Would you share your favorite music concept to teach and tell us why? And then tell us what your students' favorite concept to learn is and why. Who wants to take this first? I'll take this one. Um, my favorite concept to teach is improvisation. Um, I just enjoy the creating process. I think this is one of those things where the process is more important really than even the outcome sometimes because it's where the student you know how much they grow as a musician and um, I've uh, learned a lot through Orff Schulwerk levels of music teaching um, uh, going through those levels and that program that method of teaching really taught me how to share improvising with my students so I like it because I enjoy seeing their aha moments and just having that fun creating you know, just fun creating music. Yeah. Um, but what they probably would say what they would like they best say? is when we t- when we do beat and meter. When we're teaching meter, we're teaching about like there's the strong beat and how we organize our beats in groups of three, four, two. Those are our main ones for elementary, um, and how we arrange them in groups and you count the songs in fours and stay on the beat. But there's always a strong beat, which is beat one. And that's where a lot of the games come from. Really? Yeah. <laughs> meter yeah. does it for meter him, does, huh? Yeah, meter does it for him. I, I have a tendency to try, that. it's a tricky concept, right? And when you, when you look at it in elementary level, it's like four, four time, how's that work, right? So, um, so I do a lot of outside the box type of lessons uh, using different uh, playground equipment, water balloons, different games to just feel that strong beat and to feel those different meters and hear them in music. And I think they would say that was probably their best. Okay. The water balloon meter game is probably the first thing I'm asked every year when we're going to do that. Okay. Of course they love that. That's genius. (laughs) What's your favorite to teach and their favorite to learn, Michael? I'm a nerd. So I really like (laughs) music history type lessons. So we we, um, sometimes will do a project called the Instrumentalist Project where I have my kids create an all-star orchestra where they have to listen to three musicians on each instrument in the band and they have to listen to a clip of them and decide which one is going into their all-star orchestra with you know an educated decision of why not because their hair looks cool or because their (laughs) saxophone is shiny but because they play like blank Um, and I try I love this assignment because it gives my kids a chance to listen to real musicians making real great professional sounds and I try to make sure that I have diverse people playing these instruments so that's my favorite but I think their favorite always ends up being chamber music. Whenever I have my, my kids go and play duets or trios or quartets, I have them, they pick their music, I give them some guidance and help them however I can, but they pick their music, they rehearse it on their own, they perform it on their own, um, and they're in charge of the whole process. And this thing is blown up into, we have, you know, we have a clarinet choir at our school and a brass wow. choir. And our kids are actually writing the music and arranging the music for their ensembles and begging me to stay after school on days where I don't want to stay after school <laughs> so they can rehearse. But you created a monster. Created a monster, but I think it's 
a beneficial one. I'd say so. There's so much opportunity for creativity in what you do. How do you create and plan your music lessons for students with all of them in mind? Melissa? Um, I... I kind of look at my lessons through like a culturally responsive and sustaining lens, kind of like how can I get them, you know, all our students' voices need to be heard and and they need to see themselves in the curriculum. And um, it's just so important to get to know them. And once you get to know them, not just, you know, their culture, but even the pop culture that they're into, like all of those little aspects can be Put relevant. into yeah, yeah. Our, into your lessons to make things more relevant and connect and just make better connections. So I, I really take um, getting to know the students really seriously. You're almost polling them for ideas. Yeah, and a lot it. of times I'll I'll take polls in my class and really? just be like, hey, you know, our next unit is you know X Y and Z. What's your favorite stuff to do in here? And and you know, even something as simple as that just kind of like keeps them engaged. Yeah, keeping in mind what they also are excited to do. Yeah. How do you create and plan your music lessons, Michael? Well, I think it's huge and I think it's important to, you know, I ask my kids what they're listening to. They walk around mm-hmm. with an AirPod in their ear and sometimes it's just for cool points. But <laughs> sometimes I'll ask them like, "What are you listening to?" and I'll actually go and listen to that music. But I think for for me and people with that are in roles where most of what they do is performance-based, preparing for a concert. I think we have to remember that every kid in our class is not going to go be principal trumpet player of the blank symphony all right. of our kids aren't going to go be performers so all the content and curriculum we teach cannot be just performance based mm. so we do lessons where we talk about music as a listener and as an absorber and as a contributor so i think you know trying to make sure i reach every kid one thing i do is i make sure that my kids are playing appropriate level literature and music i'm not handing things out that are way too easy or way too hard I try to be nice nice and goldilocks but i also <laughs> try to make sure that it's not just about the concert. I don't want my kid to walk out of high school band saying, I really played that third clarinet part really well. Yeah. I want my kid to walk out of, out of my program saying, I love music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can mm-hmm. I be involved with this next? It's a yeah. bigger goal, right? Totally. And tactically, how can you ensure that every student has an opportunity to make music when they enter your classroom? Yeah, I think for me, I'm blessed. Uh, my my school will, does a pretty good job of scheduling students to be in classes that are um, based on ability level. So right. I've got kids that are being pushed and experiencing things that are um, within their reach. Uh, it, we all have experience where something's too easy and you get bored. Yes. Or something's way too hard and you get bored. Yeah. So trying to make sure that's one way that we ensure that happens. Another thing, I love fundamentals. My kids make fun of me for how much I love scales. But fundamentals are things that every single person can learn from and be engaged through. I've got a kid, um, last year I had a student that was the best trombone player in the state of Georgia. Wow. And he was, um, he's a music education student at UGA right now, but he was working on tuning overtones for him, his own instrument. I've got other kids in our program that are still trying to make sure that they can land on the right pitch on the first time every time. Wow. So that different ability level um, at that particular moment, you can conquer that and teach both kids at the same time through great fundamental teaching. Right. And in elementary school, Melissa, how do you make sure that every student has a chance to make music in your class? Well, I've been very fortunate. At Lake Forest Elementary, I've always had such supportive ad- administration. So I have a variety or an arsenal, so to speak, of so many different drums and xylophones and instruments and ways to, you know, kinesthetic things to help teach and um, just kind of incorporating as much as possible to get them moving and active and playing all the time. All the time. All the time. Just 
and constantly changing it up. So that it's just a given. Are there things your students learn in your classroom that are not related to music? Absolutely. I mean, music in itself is it's just such a team it's a team sport. It really is. And I I, com- I have a lot of soccer players as students. Really? So I make a lot of connections with soccer for them. But it's like we're a team when we create. Oh. Um, but also I, uh, my school's an IB um, school, which is an international baccalaureate school, which basically the overall concept is just creating um, globally minded students. We have something called the learner profile where it's just good characteristics, good human characteristics, like being balanced and principled, a good communicator, being open-minded. So whenever we can take those learner profile characteristics and kind of incorporate them in our teaching, um, that, you know, that helps. So they're, they're used to being risk takers. We use the word risk taker when, especially when we improvise, Yes, you know, so they're, they're knowing all these lots of different words and what it means so they can be more of a globally minded. Right. Some creating some values. It's not just Mm -hmm. about the making of the music. Exactly. Exactly. What are they learning in your class, Michael, that's not just music related? All of the above. When you talk about deeper learning in kids, I mean, these kids are learning how to be resilient. Mm. They're learning how to think critically, how to work together, be yeah. determined. I mean, I have my kids go for band camp. They stand on, stand on asphalt for two weeks for 12 hours a day in the sun in I, July. I don't think I could do that. And, I mean, that's that's persistence. But I think when we're talking about preparing kids for careers and life's livelihood, um, I was reading this book uh, about deeper learning, and it said in 1970, the top three skills employers asked for were reading, writing, and arithmetic. In 2015, they are complex problem solving, critical thinking, and creativity. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about uh, music is where kids learn how to learn. Yeah, Arts is where kids learn how to learn. And those are the things that I hope my kids are taking away from my class. Mm-hmm. It's really a backbone mm-hmm. of all other learning, right? Because right. you're, you're practicing those mechanics. What about some of your favorite teaching strategies or tips. This is my favorite part of the episode for all of our educators listening. We want to conclude with a couple of your tried and true strategies. So hit us with a couple of hot tips or or cold tips or Goldilocks perfectly (laughs) moderate temperature (laughs) tips. What do you have, Michael? Um, So some some good tips for me is think about being collaborative, not competitive in your classroom. Interesting. In your programs. I know a lot of the time we think about awards and, and winning or losing in those things, but being collaborative is a really big part of what music making and teaching is about. You know, you got those teachers that say, I had two kids pass this test. I wrote a really good test. It's like you have 26 kids in your class that just failed the test. How is this a good test? Good point. <laughs> so making sure that we're being collaborative within our schools and our communities and our world, that's the only way that society will continue to rise. I think being more curious is a really big part of what it's that's a hot tip, which is really vague, but find ways to continue to learn and master your craft and remember why you do what you do. I play in the community band. I conduct mm-hmm. a community band. And that's another hot tip. If you're a music teacher out there, pick up your instrument again mm. and start to play. And if you're not a musician and you're just um, and you're, you're teaching something else, find something that you can do that's not the same as your profession, but forces you to continue to learn. Yeah. Continue to learn. I know we learned from the first episode that that's a big mantra for you, right? Every person can learn. Every person 100%. can learn. Mm-hmm. Okay, Melissa, what are your hot, cool, or lukewarm tips? I would say it's in, in elementary, it's so easy to become your own island mm-hmm. in the in all the special areas, right? So it's like working to get off that island, be cross-curricular, see, look at the whole picture. Uh, for instance, I teach a lot of English language learners. So I've 
I've been interested in learning how how they read and the phonics instruction that's going on in my school. So then I've been able to easily incorporate that in my music classroom for our own vocabulary. So it's kind of like showing students that you can make connections everywhere because you can connect so much with music, whether it's history or lyrics in a song and learning how to read them. So just kind of getting off that island and and being collaborative, kind of like what you said, Michael, like just the collaboration piece don't be alone. Don't be alone. <laughs> Don't be alone. Is there one song that each of you has taught in your career that's always a hit with your kids? I'd love to I'd love to know what that is, if there's one that springs to mind or, or certain units that they love. Well, my, I have a steel drum band at my school. And last year, they requested to be able to play and rickroll people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we learned the Rick Astley song. Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh, that's a great <laughs> song. Oh, that's rich. So in the middle of the concert, all of a sudden they just like rickrolled the audience. Yeah. Oh. So I listen to their, you know, the what the kids are, are wanting talking to do about. too. Yeah. Know? That is funny. That's brilliant. <laughs> I don't have anything nearly as hilarious <laughs> as that. Um, I mean, our, every year we have kids that really fall in love with particular pieces of music. And we do really serious stuff and we do a pops concert. So we have a full gamut. But I find that stuff by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, yes. Like, we did Moana a couple years ago, and the other classes that didn't get to play that piece were so mad because they wanted to play Moana. <laughs> and then we did an arrangement of Encanto, and these kids were so mad that I had to buy arrangements of different songs from Encanto, and every band played a piece by, by that movie, from that movie. Because they know it, yeah. It, this, these kids just flock to it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, it is cool, but... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something for adults that you guys have to see if you haven't seen it yet is the, I think it's Fender who put this out. Go on YouTube. Have you seen the guitar recreation of the Game of Thrones theme song? No. You haven't? Go okay, I'll that. look that you up. You will particularly love this, yes. Some of the best the best guitar gods, I'm, I'm going to blank on who's there, but one of my favorites is Nuno Betancourt from the band mm. Extreme. Mm-hmm. He's there, and they all just have this beautiful shredding of the Game of Steve Thrones. I? It's just so good. <laughs> you you go you go watch that and tell me what you think. Okay, your, cool. your kids might like it, too, in high school. Cool. So. Oh, I could just talk about music forever. Thank you so much for being here. Here's the real question, though, Eminem. When can we workshop? an original track for classroom conversations i feel a contest coming Mm. on what do you think i'm ready yeah let's go okay let's do it we're going to talk to our bosses and make that happen (laughs) thank you melissa and michael keep making those melodies and you too educators music scientifically does make us feel good hearing resonant melodies releases dopamine that's the feel-good hormone activating our brain's pleasure center so it can also feel great when you're a great teacher Okay, I expect everyone to blast their favorite tune on the route home from school. And if you draw a blank, let's borrow Melissa's, where the streets have no name. Wherever your listening experience takes you, find your way back to us next week for more Classroom Conversations. Time to say goodbye before I officially go flat. I'm Ashley Bingwasser. Goodbye. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 